to Bite Size Gaming. I'm your host, Mike. Over here, we've got our co-host, John. And with us today, we brought in Alan. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, Alan is our native board game expert. Um, he's been working on trying to get a board game podcast off the ground from your HQ. But Alan does have a background and quite a bit of knowledge in video games. So we decided to invite him on here today. Yep. Talk a little bit about Alan and E3 that's coming up this upcoming weekend, which I'm, I think most of us are excited for, at least some parts of it. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely excited because I know this will be the third E3 that we have actually had since starting Nerd HQ as a concept. Yep. I remember we streamed the, uh, we did a stream reaction to E3 in your attic. Yep, that was 2019. Back in 2019. Yeah. Give that us a was, shout out if you guys fun. actually watched that because that was. Two years ago? That was a long time ago. Yeah. That was back when we were like, <laughs> we didn't even have, we didn't even have, didn't even have the store yet. No, we didn't. Yeah, this was before we did the ramp up through the summer. Yeah. Um, so I think it was before we even did a single event, like we were doing mobile events leading up to the store. Yeah. This was before those. Yeah, we didn't even have those up and running yet. So yeah, that's probably one of the first things we officially did as Nerd HQ. But here we are two years later, we've got a store, we've got a bustling community, John yeah. is part of that community. Absolutely. What have we done? <laughs> <laughs> you let somebody like me in here, what did you do? <laughs> I ask myself that every day. Uh, so before we get into talking about Alan a little bit, his background and history of gaming, um, I'd like to take this time to do a quick rundown of some of the content creation that Nerd HQ is trying to do right now. Um, I don't think we've ever done a shout out yet on this show. We haven't. Because um, John is actually part of another show that we are doing called On Card. Yep, the where, TCG one. Yep. You guys, might, you guys might recognize Stephen from that from our episode last week. John and Stephen helmed that one where they talk about, you know, all the major TCGs that we run here. And, like, you want to pitch what you guys do in that show? So, for those of you who have watched On Card, you obviously know that our most knowledgeable thing we do is magic. Uh, we are learning a lot of the TCGs. Um, of course, we already know like Pokemon and stuff like that, but like we, we don't play Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. But we, we go through like a lot of like upcoming product. Yep. Uh, we have some people from different uh, TCG communities that's going to come do like box openings with us. And thanks. And uh, I know you guys record on Saturday. When do those usually go live on YouTube? Uh, they usually go live every other week. Okay. So is they on a Monday or Tuesday they go live? On Mondays. Mondays, okay. Uh, so that's on card. Look for it on our cumulative Nerd HQ channel. It should have its own playlist, I believe. Yep. Um, and it's also on podcast format? Yes. yes. If I listen to it on Spotify. Okay. Yes. And then Alan, like I said, he's been working on trying to get the board game sector off the ground. Um, I know you've done a couple videos. Yep, I've done a couple of... Uh... Loaded a cup one unboxing onto the YouTube channel, but instead of I've I've discovered that instead of a pre-recorded video or podcast format, a live gameplay video tends to be more. So with the board games, I'm going more of a live gameplay video and stream it to Facebook and the social media rather than record it and have a you know a three-hour <laughs> you know video to watch. Yeah. You know, because some people are into that, but I've noticed that a lot of people tend to be more interested in, uh, you know, watching us learn and play a game and ask questions, and we can interact with people while playing a live game, you know, once a month instead of actually doing a weekly video yeah. where we talk about a game. Where while we're playing a game, you can, people can jump in, ask questions, ask you know, ask people you know questions that are playing the game and what we're doing with that. Um, I'm going to have an announcement of what game we're going to be playing um, probably by the end of this week of what this month's game is going to be. Okay. Last month's game was Oath of the Brotherhood, and it was a pirate worker placement game that was real fun. Okay. Nice. Um, now, are you still wanting to start trying to do an actual, like, bi-weekly show where you do, like, hot takes on upcoming board games or maybe board game reviews? Um, that's still up for grabs. I'm not 100% sure if I can, you know, maybe if I could find somebody that wants to work with me on it. You heard it here. Yeah, so I'm looking for somebody that wants to work with me on a board gaming podcast. That would, I think that would be real fun. <laughs> but what I'm wanting to do more of, uh, I have an idea that's brewing in my head that I'm working with uh, a few other people in the board game community 
that I'm workshopping right now that I'm really excited about, but it's not ready to be talked about. Okay. So stay tuned for more board game madness with Alan here. Um, so enough of the shout out section or stuff that we just did. Um, mm-hmm. Let's dive into Alan a little bit. So I know from you know conversations with you that you and I share a lot of different like similarities in our gaming childhood and mm-hmm. coming up as well as John. Um, so let's just start this off. If you had to pick one game from, let's say, the 90s to be your favorite game of that era, what would it be? Um, from the 90s? I'm going to have to say, of every, on every console from the 90s, yep. I'm going to have to split that because it's, it's I, I'm going to have to split that. I have a handheld game, a handheld game that's going to be my favorite, and that will be Pokemon Silver. Okay. Console is Ocarina of Time. Okay, that's definitely probably a tough decision between those two. It, 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 absolutely. Those, those are my two because uh, unlike you guys, I didn't start with video games on like the Atari or the NES or even the Super NES. I had an NES, but the only games that I played on it was pinball. And the Sesame Street game, it, it was a Sesame Street game, and that was about it. That's all I had. Didn't have access to really any video games. Um, eventually, I think I got a Duck Hunt, but again, didn't play it too much. Completely missed the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo console wars. Completely bypassed that. Never had a PlayStation 1, never had a PlayStation 2, but... Where I jumped into video games was on the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. And my first game for Nintendo 64, a lot of people's first game was, oh, I got Mario and I got into it. Or yep. I got Zelda and I got into it. But my first game on the Nintendo 64 for Christmas in 1997 was Wave Race 64. Nice. Yes. yes. That was my first game. And <laughs> that's where my obsession with, I was like, <clears throat> oddball racers. Like, mm-hmm. everybody loves, like, the, you know, like super, the Forza, the, like, I, I, I started with Wave Race, then I found Mario Kart, then I found Diddy Kong, six, or Diddy Kong Racing, but my favorite racer of all on the Nintendo 64 platform was F-Zero X. Yeah, I've been... I, Adore F Zero X. There's a lot of F Zero fans out there. Yeah. Um, I just want a new F Zero. Everybody does. Have you? Did you play Fast R? Like this big tangent. Have you played Fast RMX for the Switch? Fast Racing RMX. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I have. I actually played on the Wii U. Oh. Okay. I have it actually downloaded the the Fast Racing Neo yeah. on the Wii U is what I got. I don't have it on the Switch. I got it on the Wii U. Okay. Yeah, because I heard Fast RMX on Switch is got a lot of those F Zero vibes. Oh, it, it's ba- yeah, it's basically F Zero. Um, but I would relate it closer probably to the Wipeout series that was on PlayStation. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I, I would I would place it closer to Wipeout than F Zero. Okay, you mean Burnout? No, Wipeout. Wipeout. I thought Wipeout was based off of the television show. No, there's no. a different Wipeout. No, no, it's I know there's the video game Wipeout that's based off of the show. That, that, yeah, that's that's a thing. But no, it, it would be Wipeout and um. 2045. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, because it's a basically it's a futuristic spaceship racing game. Okay. And it's it basically is like oh you know it was Sony's answer to F Zero, but then Sony and Nintendo stopped making it, so hence a a indie developer came up with uh, Fast Racing. Okay. Speaking of um, stop making, I think the last one that Nintendo made was on the GameCube, which we need to get in the shop because yeah. that's regarded as the best F Zero. The one on the GameCube, I think it's F Zero GX. F Zero GX, yeah. that's correct. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Never played it, but I never, I, I was never able to track it down. Probably even harder to track down in these days. Yeah, that's why I still have my copy of F Zero X, and it's playable still in the store. So. Yeah. People be rocking it out every once in a while. Oh, yeah. So your favorite game being Ocarina of Time. I'm sure you mm-hmm. appreciated last week when John is the one who placed Ocarina of Time on our top 25 list. Yeah, I'm, I, I was happy that it made... I, th- I think it just edged out. Or just bumped out by the top 10. Yeah. And I think it was number 11, mm-hmm. if I yeah. remember right. Um, 
I, I, after watching last week's episode, I went through and I made my own, I started in the Bite Size Gaming Discord channel, yeah, I saw that. and I started, I didn't do a 25, but I did a top 15 <laughs> games, and that started a chain reaction. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. you see that? Yep, I that did. Started yeah. a, it ended up, there were like five or six other people that were putting their top 15 games and the amount of overlap between my top 15 and other people's top 15, like, it still had the Breath of the Wild. It still yeah. had the Ocarina of Time. It still had the Pokemon. But everybody's top 15 was so wildly different. Like, I had games on there that Mike didn't even. Yep. Yeah. It was like, I, as like, I go through it, I was like, I put TMNT, Fall of the Foot Clan, from the Game Boy arc. I actually played that one. Did yeah. You? Is that yeah. the one that had the, middle, the mini game with uh, Clang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was yeah. A lot. Not a lot of people have heard of Fall of the Foot Clan because everybody knows uh, Turtles in Time. Yep. But very few people actually know a Fall of the Foot Clan because it was only on the Game Boy. So there was a game that you mentioned last week. I can't remember what one it was, but you were surprised that I knew of it. Do you remember what it was? Uh, it's right there. Crap. Uh, I'll pull up my notes. Um, but speaking of Team NT, yes. Have either of you guys seen Shredder's Revenge? Yeah. Yes. We're all like uh, I, and I are watching the. I'm super excited for that. I I saw the I saw the trail for that and I immediately shared to our uh, social media because I also kind of do I our Instagram you and first yeah. You showed it to me. Yeah, I did. I, I shared that around. I'm like, oh, we need to get this. I'm gonna get this. This is this is amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited for shows, especially because they kept that, you know, that art arcade, yeah, they kept beat the arcade style. I haven't seen a beat-em-up come out in forever. I think the last beat-em-up game that I saw that looked good was River City Girls by Way Forward. And that's yeah. kind of borderline beat-em-up, because it's still beat-em-up, but it's got a bit... It's got an RPG. It's got some deeper elements. It's got some it. RPG elements. So it's not a pure beat-em-up, but it's, it, it's a solid beat-em-up. And I know, um, I think within the last year or two, they re- uh, released uh, Streets of Rage 4, which mm-hmm. is that kind of yeah. a direct sequel to Streets of Rage yeah, 3. They, they re-released like, the Scott Pilgrim game, which yep. has like beat em up feeling. Mm-hmm. But Speaking of spot, just a kind of segue there for a hot second. <laughs> I was actually just made to sit down and watch Pot. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world about three or four weeks ago. What is wrong with people? Oh my. That is a great movie. That movie was a thing, and I was not prepared for it. That was. Have you seen the Scott Pilgrim movie, Mike? I have not. Oh, no. It is. Um, it is. Get some popcorn. <laughs> and. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, 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 just. Just. You just have to do it. Get through the first thirty minutes, and then it is a roller coaster of emotions. I'll have to check that out. Get through the first five minutes, and it's a roller coaster of <laughs> what were people thinking? I go through it. I was like, I was watching the movie, and it took me a while because I'm not a fan of time skips. Right. And those are immediate turnoffs for me when it's just like a time skip. But it was like. Every 15 seconds, it was time skip, time skip, time skip. And I'm like, I'm ready to turn this off. <laughs> and my girlfriend's like, just wait until you at least got to get to the vegan. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What do you mean? And she's like, just what? And I'm like, I have to see what's going on now. She got me with that. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, oh, this is a thing, and I love it. Super vegan? Oh, yeah. Super <laughs> vegan. Oh, that was great. It was, um, yeah. Take, uh, take being a vegan gives you Super Saiyan powers. Yeah, it, 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 yeah it basically it turns you into a superhero. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, we all know Saiyans are from vegetable. Yeah, plant yep. vegetable. So... Makes sense. But Sands are definitely not vegan. No. <laughs> um, to answer your question, it was not, it was not a game that made it to the list. It was in response to you putting Final Fantasy VII on the list. It was the prequel Crisis Core. Oh, okay. Crisis Core. Yeah. Yep. I was never. I never played Crisis Core because I never had a. I never had a Vita. 
It was PSP. It was, was it on the it yeah, was PSP? Original okay. PSP? Okay. But that's that's the problem is the game never made its way to any mainstream console. It was just essentially it's stuck on the PSP forever. Yeah. And there's no way to play the game unless you have a PSP or you do some illegal activity. Oh, we don't we don't, we don't we don't we don't condone that. No. No. But yeah, so but it was a really good game. Oh yeah, oh, I heard it. I I had a PSP for a very short time until my neighbor decided he liked it more. That's the thing. Like people rant and rave about how great Final Fantasy VII is. Mm-hmm. I think I like Crisis Core better. Oh, absolutely. Like you have to give it props because you know they took the story of Seven that was good in its own right. It was good enough to warrant a prequel. Mm-hmm. But you know, I played uh, Crisis Core before I played Seven, and Crisis Core. I probably played through twice, and finally, like, okay, I'm gonna go play seven now. That's see, I was on the the other side of that. I played seven before I played Crisis Core. Yeah. So for me, it was like, okay, seven introduces me to all these characters. Mm-hmm. Crisis Core takes those characters and was like, this is how they got there. Yep. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, like as great as seven story was, I think the prequel is a much more intriguing story. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, if you don't follow Cloud, you follow Zack. Right. Uh, do you know much of the Zach, Final, Fantasy Zach. Final Fantasy VII story? I'm a more of a Tales fan. Okay. Yeah, I know. So, I, I'm... It was like... I, I, with Final Fantasy, I could give, I could take or leave it. I know that's heresy to a lot of people. <laughs> but I'm like... like this I, I mean, mm-hmm. how much do you care about minor spoilers? I'm not going to give away the end. Oh, I've, I've no, I haven't played it at this point. I'm probably not going to play it. Either. Essentially, the main protagonist, Cloud, mm-hmm. you find out what halfway through the game that who he thinks he is is actually the memories of some other dude named Zack. Yeah. yeah. Um, you play as Zack. Yeah. In Christ's Court, and have that whole story of how it came to be that Cloud thought he was Zack. Yeah. Yeah, because I never played Final Fantasy VII, but I did play through probably i got through to the third disc of final fantasy 8 mm-hmm. and i did enjoy final fantasy 8 so to be fair though final fantasy 8 has one of the greatest final fantasy characters ever in squall oh i thought, I thought you were going to say what's this are you memeing us right now yeah you're memeing. actually i did like squall better than zidane like people love zidane but i just think he's bland yeah as a character well he is the prettiest boy in the room <laughs> so so here's here's a question for you uh can can you name eight final fantasy char- uh characters in one word in one word what in, in, in one, one name? name in one I, name? I, I saw this the other day on, I, on I, Facebook I, 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 talking about final fantasy just made me remember it i mean can you name can you name eight different final fantasy characters with just one name isn't it Zack or something like that? Sid. Sid, that's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that was in the Mead channel. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're also in the Mead channel. Yeah. Or Biggs. Yeah. They make their way through the games as well. What about Chocobo? Is that a character? It's, it's, it's a I name mean, in the game. Moogle. Yeah. Moogle. Bog tends to sway. Yeah. But uh, but like you're you're saying about Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, the thing for me about it was okay. So do you remember the scene in Final Fantasy VII where like you hear Angel talking, mm-hmm. and you hear him talking, and there isn't a single point in the entire game that explains who he is. Crisis Core explains it. Yep, like Angel is actually a pretty big character. Yeah, a lot of Crisis Core. It's very impactful. And Jill was the original owner of the Buster Sword. Yep. Yeah. Like, essentially, you start the game off, you don't have, but, like, and Jill's, like, kind of a mentor with Buster Sword. Yeah, that's how the game starts. Now, I'm curious. Now, have either of you played the Final Fantasy remake for the PS4? Yes. I started it. Um, I liked what I played of it. I just hadn't had the time or a PS4 to continue it. Well, we have some. I know. There. That's where I played yeah, it. Yeah, I finished it. My favorite part so far, like I said, I haven't played a ton, probably just to the first boss. Mm-hmm. But everybody who loves Final Fantasy knows like the traditional music and like oh, the yeah. fanfare. The fanfare, yeah. Like, <laughs> like the best part, like yeah. in the first hour I played, you get done with the fight and as you're running, you hear Barrett. 
No, what in the world? Wasn't it his cell phone or something like that? No, it was him thinking it was. Yeah, it's him. I got lost in that. I remember that because I was the cell phone that rang there, there might be another one like that but yeah. the one i heard was him singing it as you're running away from where the best was. so speaking okay. of the fanfare have you seen the advent children movie yes the movie's uh, great yes i love the advent uh, the, the fanfare is the ringtone for the phones in the movie yep. That, yep. That, <laughs> that might be what i'm thinking of because i remember <laughs> going through and i saw that and i just as long as, you know, we all acknowledge that the Final Fantasy Unlimited anime was garbage. Never saw that one. I did watch uh, the movie that came out with Final Fantasy XV. Oh, Kingsglaive? Yes. I actually yeah. I actually liked it. Kingsglaive was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's no Advent Children, but I thought it was an admirable movie. Did you ever watch the Spirits Within movie? No. Don't. Don't. No. Don't. I mean, like, when you've got Sean Bean as an actor and Don Monaghan, right. like, come on. I don't know who those are. Oh, my gosh. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> Sean Bean, uh, Boromir from Lord of the Rings. Nope. Oh my gosh. I Actually, go Don from Lord of the Rings too. So I I go out of my way to not know who actors are because if I see the same actor, I I, I you know I <laughs> uh, I call it the Will Smith syndrome. If you watch a movie Will Smith in it, what's the name of Will Smith's character in that movie? It's just Will Smith. Hitch. It's the name uh, of the movie. But that's his name. But I know. But I'm saying, outside of like oh, I guess it's Hitch. Hitch and Hancock, because they're the <laughs> title of the movie. Deadshot. Boom. Gotcha. Okay. I Am Legend? What's his name in I Am Legend? Probably Will something. <laughs> even in, what was it? Um, even in the movie where he was a fish. I don't know his name. Oscar. He, it is literally just Oscar. Will, Will Fishsmith. No, it's Oscar. It's, it's is, is it Oscar? It's Oscar. Yeah, it, it's just Will Fish. Will Smith Fish. Because <laughs> it, it's a CGI fish with Will Smith's face on it. And it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> now you've got me thinking. Like, I can't think of this. <laughs> That's why I go out of my way to not know who actors are. Because it, it's the same thing with um, Matthew Broderick. I don't know any, like... To know. be fair, the only Matthew Broderick movies I know are Ferris Bueller and... Inspector Gadget? Is man? Godzilla. Godzilla and Godzilla. Inspector Gadget. Those are, like, the only three Matthew Broderick movies I know. Yeah, but... Man. Cable Guy with, uh... Oh, yeah. Jim Carrey. Never actually seen Cable Ooh. Guy. Yeah, we need, need to fix that. That's a great movie. So... Talking movies. Back okay, to sorry. <laughs> so, um, I'm sure you know who some voice actors are from video games. Nope. Oh, you don't? No. Um, like I said, I go. I don't want to know who's in my stuff. I know a few video game voice actors. Notably, like, well, I take that back. I like, know like, a few. Trisha Hershberger. Nope. Uh, there's two guys who are... Like, I know Mark like, Hamill. Well, he doesn't exclusively... Like, there's two guys who are just known for being video game voice actors. And Matthew Mercer. No idea. I didn't realize there's a Matt, Matt Mercer. Mer- Matt Mercer? Like, is it the same Matt Mercer uh, who does... Uh, Critical Role? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it? I yeah. Didn't know that. Uh, okay, so Overwatch. You have to play Overwatch. Uh, a little bit. Uh, do you know... Oh, what's his name? The Western guy, the cowboy. Mm-hmm. High Noon guy. Yeah. <laughs> High Noon. Uh, Matthew Broderick voices... Or not Matthew Broderick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Matt Mercer voices him. I didn't know that. Interesting. No, I was thinking uh, Troy Baker and uh, Nolan North. Yep. No, Nolan North, man. <laughs> who is Nolan North? So, um, he's the one who replaced uh, Peter Dinklage. But you don't okay. know that? I do know who Peter Dinklage is. All right. So I only he... know Peter Dinklage because of his size. <laughs> no, I know of Peter Dinklage because he was the uh, he was uh, the short he was the uh, short guy, or what's the political term? Little little person, little person, little person in Elf. Yes, he was also the. I know him from Elf. The original voice of Ghost in Destiny 1. I've never yeah. played Ghost. Okay, but he was like, like when you play the game, it's his voice in your ear the entire game. Oh. And then the first DLC dropped, they, and they couldn't get it back. Right, so what they did was they uh, they hired Nathan Nolan North 
to replace all of his line. So essentially, as soon as you downloaded the DLC, Peter Dinklage was gone. Yeah, he never existed. All his lines were gone. They re-recorded them and re-put them in the game with Nolan North's voice. So a lot of people were upset. I still want to get a tattoo that says Dinklebot lives. <laughs> the ghost was like a little robot that follows you around. It was, he was essentially I, like I, I, futuristic I, Navi. I understand what you said that, but you said Dinklebot, <laughs> Dinklebot, and the first thing that came to my head, Dinklebot. <laughs> first thing that came to mind. Oh, boy. This would be where my trophy would be. If I had one! I'm a man of many references. I'm sure we'll get a Tommy Boy reference somewhere in here tonight. I don't have a code. <laughs> there we go. You want me to pull up? That's a real. <laughs> All right. For All me, right. So. We can run out of time. <laughs> Um, I promised you guys we'd talk a little bit about E3 before E3 came here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we'll be able to do a live reaction just because of how the, the schedule pans yeah, out. They went through, this is the first time they've got all the stuff going on in the morning. Yeah. Right? yeah. Nintendo's on Monday is like... Oh, did they do it Monday? Yeah. Nintendo's always been on Tuesday. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was Tuesday, but it was like 9 a.m. So, yeah, I sincerely doubt we'll be able to do like, any live reactions. I'm sad that we're going to do... Yeah. But the nice thing is, essentially, all all of the main parts of E3 wrap up by Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah. So next Tuesday night, we'll be able to do an in-depth, you know, reaction to E3 yeah. as a whole. Um, I'm going through. On Saturday, they've got Ubisoft, which it's Ubisoft. They'll probably talk about um, uh, Let's Dance or Just Dance and uh, well, Assassin's Creed. You know. Whatever the new Assassin's Creed is, yeah, you're kind of speeding through it. I, I'm, I'm literally, a, you know, I know, but I'm, I'm literally, a, you know, the first event on Saturday morning. So speaking of that first event, Ubisoft, yes, they are officially going to be Saturday, June twelfth. It's a Saturday. Yep. Yep. Uh, Three p.m. Eastern, twelve p.m. Pacific. For us, it's going to be, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> It's 2, 2 p.m. Yes, 2 p.m. Yeah, we actually, time zones always keep me uh, no. All times are Pacific, so, well, yep, 2 p.m. So, is there anything that you guys are looking forward or looking to see from Ubisoft? There hasn't been an Ubisoft game I've cared about since Rabbids. I like Mario Plus Rabbids. Mario Plus yeah. Rabbids was fantastic, but... I'm just meh. I'm lukewarm on the company as a whole. So I was telling John before we started tonight that I feel like Ubisoft's gotten more boring as the years went on over yeah. the last five years. Like, you know, Mario Rabbits kind of came out of left field when they revealed that one. Yeah. And nobody saw it coming. It turned out to be a great game. That's probably the most interesting thing they've done. Aside from that, it's kind of regurgitating older IPs that we've seen a hundred times. You know, like this year. We'll likely see another Assassin's, another Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it'll be Assassin's Creed. It'll be Just Dance because Just Dance will sell. Yep. It, it's a party game, of course. Um, They've got Watch Dogs Legion, which I'm pretty sure is already released. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. The Crew 2 has already released for Honor. Like, unless they start breaking the mold and trying some interesting things... You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say we're going to see some sort of, some sort of new IP from Ubisoft. That'd be nice. That'd be cool. I would be, I would be nice. I'd like to see that. Uh, but yeah, if they come out and just do the basic, here's a new Assassin's Creed game, and here's the next Less Dance, like he was saying, it's just going to be about par for the course of what we have come to expect from Ubisoft lately. Right. Uh, so hopefully they surprise us and do something a little extra. Okay. Um, if you guys see my best of my eyes, I still have allergies, so I'm not trying to be weird about it. He's going to have allergies for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, let me know if you need us to uh, guide you out of here. Now, what is the likelihood of us seeing uh, Mario Plus Rabbids 2? Highly unlikely. I, I think so, too. Highly uh, unlikely, unlikely, but it would be welcomed. It would oh, be yeah. welcomed, but highly unlikely because I just don't think it hits sales is what they I were expecting. Why. Okay, so I'll say this. 
they put together a Mario RPG, and yes, I use that word loosely because this is a tactics RPG, but it's still got role-playing elements. They pulled off a better Mario RPG than Nintendo has been able to do in the last decade. I would agree with you on that, but I will you know, go off of one other thing that will throw that against it. How many people outright will not try the game because the rabbits are attached to it? So I've heard that, but the pro- like the thing I have to tell you, just give it a shot because the rabbits are actually one of the better parts of this game. Oh, I agree. Rabbit Peach is my favorite character. Yes, like, like I adored. I I never cared about rabbits before. I never wanted to play a rabbits game, but I did play Mario Plus Rabbits because it looked interesting, and I ended up falling in love with the game. Like, oh, put it down. Yeah, same. But I also understand that there's a lot of people that they see rabbits are just like I'm not even gonna give it the time of day, and there's nothing you can do. But then again, there's gonna be those people out there regardless. So what are they gonna do? Play Paper Mario instead? Uh, no, they'll go play Destiny or something. I'm saying people who but want like, Mario RPG experience, there hasn't been a great Mario RPG since Thousand Year Door. In yeah, my yeah. Like I guess Mario plus Luigi. I can't remember if that was before or after that. Like the, Mario plus Luigi is good the, too. The Mario plus Luigi. I, I remember that they actually there was a um, you know specifically talked about the Paper Mario. Um, there was a interview by the developers of the Mario plus Luigi. Um, that Nintendo sees the Mario plus Luigi franchise as their RPG game. And the um, the Paper Mario is their experimental goofy where they're not, they don't want it to go back to its roots of being an RPG. They want it to be that goofy, you know, weird where they can make something just interesting and experiment. And I could respect that if they stuck to making Mario and Luigi actual, like, in-depth RPGs, which I don't think they have been since the first couple. Yeah. Because, you know, the first one was an open world with deep RPG elements where you're upgrading abilities whatnot, and it started to devolve into very linear games where you still leveled up and you advance your character, but not in a true RPG way. It was very linear in what you were doing in that game. Again, that's what I said. It's like, that was... But this was a... Our, this was an interview, an article, five, six years ago. So this was back when they were talking about after Sticker Star on the 3DS. Yeah. This Which was, before... was very, very ill-received. Yeah. And that's what they said, because they, like, they want to do this. And this was between, stick. this was after Sticker Star and before Color Splash on the Wii. Yeah. So this was, you know, many, many moons ago. Yeah have that change and that's why they're starting to go more the RPG element but still have a little bit of goofiness as what they did with uh, Origami King? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I haven't seen them announce a Mario plus Luigi since they basically did away with, did away with the 3DS line. Yep. So who knows what they're going to do with that. I'm kind of curious. That's the thing. Like You look back at Paper Mario, Thousand mm-hmm. Year Door, and Mario and Luigi. Yes. Three bangers of RPGs. Oh, absolutely. And especially in the case of Thousand Year Door, which is regarded as the best Paper Mario game, mm-hmm. 100%. Had, had a very interesting world that you played in. Oh, absolutely. And then same thing with Mario and Luigi. Mm-hmm. You traveled to the Bean Kingdom, <laughs> and it was a very interesting world. Yeah, absolutely. And while they've had interesting, you know, levels mm-hmm. in Mario and Luigi and possibly Paper Mario since... They haven't actually fully developed an interesting like world to explore since that time. For exactly. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry about that. I but um, I, I realize that we're going off and we're talking about yep. Nintendo. So I'm going to try to steer us back on to Ubisoft. So here's my thing with Ubisoft. How much do you think we're going to get, get of the new Rainbow Six game? I don't, really, I don't even know. Because... <laughs> Rainbow Six is like far off my radar at this point. Um, the Tom Clancy shooters, they all look very similar and the same to me. Mm-hmm. Much in the same oh, way. Oh, I agree. All the yeah. yeah. Well, they're all supposed to be that military, like hyper-realistic shooters. But um, what what's the what are they called now? The but this year is the, the first year yeah, in Rainbow Six. That we could get a Tom Clancy release 
alongside a Call of Duty release. Interesting. Unfortunately, Call of Duty is that mainstream name. I don't foresee a Tom Clancy game beating out Call of Duty no, just because no. of the notoriety. No, and honestly, if you're releasing a military shooter at the same time of Call of Duty, as much as you believe in your product, you're just asking for it to fail. 100%. Call of Duty is that game. That exactly, knows. exactly. If you're, if you're going to release it, release it, you know, hold it back or push it out a month. Give it some breathing room. Let Call of Duty do its thing because as much as we, you know, as much as I do, do not like that style of game, I understand that it is the world's best-selling game for a reason and it will sell. Yep. Don't, don't try to compete with it. You will lose. <laughs> Is what it is. Any final thoughts on Ubisoft before we move to the next conference? Do something new. Yes. Do something new. Yeah. Do, I, some, do something new. If you, if you recall, like before we get into Xbox, you know, John and I were talking about indie games back in our first episode. Mm-hmm. How, like, indie game is like a breath of fresh air when they oh, are yeah. actually Absolutely. putting interesting things and interesting ideas into oh, yeah. the gaming universe where big company, big AAA companies are starting to get into this you know, same old routine and oh, yeah. regurgitating similar stuff. And ironically, Nintendo kind of feels like an indie studio, even though they are AAA. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's the same thing. Like, I essentially, mean, Nintendo will take what's expected of them and go the opposite direction just because they want to be unpredictable, it seems yeah. like. At this point, it's like, okay, Nintendo, what weirdness are you going to relieve? You know, like, oh, here's another Mario game. Not exactly what I wanted. Not exactly what I wanted, but... Um, I'll play it anyway. It, is Nintendo... Okay, if you're saying that Nintendo... Again, we're going back to Nintendo. If... If if, if you would say you expect Nintendo to do the unexpected, do you expect them to release a Mario game or not release a Mario game? <laughs> it's a catch-22. Or No, uh, they'll release Mario Bros. Rapids. That's the unexpected that you expect. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll do it at, you know, Activision's release. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, later in the day, we've got Gearbox. Um, I don't even know what that is. They developed uh, Borderlands. Oh, I've never played it. Um, I'm not sure Very what... Good. They're, they're of course, FPS games. Yeah, but they're but... looter shooters, so they've got RPG elements. Yes. Um, but I don't think we're going to see a Borderlands 4. Um, you know, what would be interesting from Gearbox? If they put a... A shared world, Borderlands. Ooh. In the vein of Destiny. Yeah. That would be interesting. Like an MMO style type of... So instead of doing like a Borderlands 4, do like uh, a Borderlands Online. Yeah. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's what I expect them to do. I sincerely doubt that's on anybody's radar over there right now. But Borderlands 3 just came out a year and a half ago. Yep. Something like that. And... They take a while for them to develop. I think there was at least three or four years between Borderlands Has, 1 and is 2. Is there a question? Is there any Borderlands games on the Switch? Yes, all of them. All of them are on the Switch? All of them. Oh, well, then is 3 on the Switch? Yes. I know the Handsome Collection is. I didn't oh, know three was uh, Borderlands 1, the Handsome Collection. I want to say number 3 is on the Switch as well. That, that'd be, that'd be okay. really cool if it is. I did not know that. All right. But yeah, um, I think it's going to be a small conference from them. That's going to be... Uh, 5 p.m. Saturday, Eastern Time, so 4 p.m. our time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see what they show off because, like I said, like they're a very, like, kind of a one-trick pony. I don't want, that sounds bad. They're not, like... Aren't, the, they, aren't they the ones who also did Gears of War? I don't think so. No. Cause, you know, because uh, Microsoft owns that studio that... Yeah. But I'm saying, like, they don't, they're not the caliber of company that's going to put out 12 games a year. Right. They put out one big game every couple of years... And maybe right. there's some smaller stuff to fill in the gaps. So they're, it's they're not necessarily a, a AAA title company, even though they do pop out some AAA games right. every now and then. But anyway, um, I, I I have honestly have no idea what they're gonna showcase this year. So I'm I yeah. am interested to see what they're gonna come up with. Yeah, because we haven't even heard any news from Gearbox in oh. a while. They kept their lid on tight. Moving on to Sunday, June thirteenth. Uh, the first conference that day is going to be Xbox and Bethesda Showcase. So the big news uh, about six months ago was Microsoft buying Bethesda. Yeah. And here we are at E three. They're doing their E three conference together, which is awesome. 
and everybody mocked me six months ago when I said when Xbox bought Bethesda that we're going to start seeing Microsoft exclusive or at least timed exclusive Bethesda games. We're like, no, they won't do that. No, that that's I don't understand why people wouldn't think. Oh, that, that. that's a, that's, that, that, that's, that's a given. Happen. Microsoft lost money last generation because of lack of first party content. Yeah. So why wouldn't they put one of the biggest first party content creators exclusive to their platform? Like, at least for like the first. Think of it this way: year, Skyrim was such a massive success on the Xbox 360, PS3. That when Elder Scrolls Six inevitably comes out, if that's a console exclusive, that's a console seller. Oh yeah, hands down, absolutely. Oh. I I know people right now that are like, oh, if Elder Scrolls Six comes out and it's only on the Xbox, I'm buying an Xbox just for that game. Yep, and then so people will try to counter what I was saying about Bethesda, saying, well, Microsoft bought Minecraft and they kept it multi-platform. The difference being, my, nobody's going to buy a console exclusively to play Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been it's already been an established brand, and it's not like Minecraft um, is a generational game where you know there's what this there's five Elder Scrolls. Minecraft, from my understanding, you buy different versions on different platforms. Like, there's the mobile version, the PC yep. version, the Switch version, the Xbox version, the console, and all that kind of stuff. There's not Minecraft 2. There's not Minecraft 3. It's just constant updates across all the platforms. Yeah. And they all, all cross-play in varying degrees to each other, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. That's going to be impossible to lock down to one platform. Yeah. That's just physically... You, you would... Break the internet if you tried to do that. You break it, and like, even if they wanted to try again, I don't think Microsoft or uh, Minecraft is that game that they're gonna pull people from other consoles just because they have Minecraft. Yeah. No. But you've got a lot of die-hard Elder Scrolls fans or even mm-hmm. Fallout fans yeah. who, you know, they might have a PS5, but then two years down the road, Elder Scrolls Six comes out and it's only on Microsoft. Yeah, you better believe that those diehard fans are going to go out and find Xbox Series X to play one of their favorite games on. Now here, well, let's play. Like, let me play devil's advocate on that one here. I know this is a similar comparison, but on a much smaller scale. How many people do you know play, that played Rise of the Tomb Raider because it launched on the Xbox One exclusively for one year? By the time it dropped from the PS Five, nobody cared. It just it was a dead game on arrival on the PS5 or the PS4. Yeah. Completely dead, irrelevant, doesn't matter. What do you, do you think any sort of that would matter with a game like Skyrim? You think people would be like, "Well, it's not an online player. I don't need to worry about it." And oh, I'll just wait 1 year to play a game. If it's timed. I'm not even sure it would be timed. It would have to be timed. I I, I don't I, because you got to think of it this way. In the big picture, yes, they could sell more copies of Elder Scrolls if it was multi-platform. Correct. But if locking it to their console sells also more nice. consoles, not only do they sell more consoles and make some more money, mm-hmm. but the more people who have their consoles end up buying other games for that console as well. Fair. Probably buying Xbox Gold and maybe Game Pass, depending on how they feel the, feel the value. Which, speaking of... Game Pass will have any new Bethesda game they want because that's their whole selling point is first-party games, first-party lives, day and date when it releases, it's on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. That's one of the yep. huge selling factors of Game Pass. Oh, yeah, we run Game Pass here in the store. Yeah. Um, so I, I could see it going timed. And I was like, yeah. I think time would be the, will it be exclusive for a time? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Will it be one month? Six months? A year? Probably but at least six months, if not. I, I, I if would, it is time. Too. I, I'm of the mindset that I believe that it will, if it's exclusive, which, flip a coin, heads or tails, don't know. Yeah. Um, I believe that if it is exclusive, it will be timed because of all the bad press you potentially could. Because if you're taking a game that has been, always been multi-platform and now you're making it exclusive define always as far as i know it's always been is like it's always been like starting back with morrowind on the xbox it was a it was also on the playstation 2 wasn't it 
don't think so. No, it was on the PC. Okay, but it's PC, but that's still a Microsoft platform. Yeah. Because Morrowind was exclusive to PC. Okay. And Oblivion, I believe, came. No, I remember because I remember it specifically because I used to watch the old school Toonami, and they would always review Morrowind, and it was on the Xbox. If it wasn't the Xbox, it was only on Xbox. Okay, then it was then it started there. Same thing with Kotor. Kotor was Xbox exclusive as well. Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yep. Never I, again, like I said, I never had an Xbox, so I'm, I'm getting all this information <laughs> third party. Anyway, we got off topic. Okay. Xbox Bethesda. What are some of the things we can expect to see from them? Um, good. <laughs> well, seeing how it's Bethesda, maybe a glitched house? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I can start it off. Um, Xbox, I'm pretty sure we're going to see some gameplay from Halo Infinity. Yeah. That's going to be their probably biggest selling title next year on the Xbox Series X. Um, I'm really hoping that we see some announcement for a remake of Fable. Yes. Yes. I would. Wasn't there supposed to be a Fable game that never actually released? Yes. Yeah. It never did release. I, I was actually kind of interested in that because I did I was digging the art style for that. Well, a, that's the thing. I've been hearing rumors that they're going to re, relaunch the Fable series. Essentially because with, they have to do something for first-party exclusive Xbox titles. Yep. PlayStation, for the last five years, I'll say, has, been, has like dominated... The PlayStation, like the exclusive title market. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is, so, Last E3 was all about pushing, you know, the Series X and what it can do and getting ready for the holiday season. I think this year is the year that they just go first party, first party, first party, first party. Well, I also remember last year at E3, they were always constant. Every time, every announcement was, we bought this company, here's the games that they made. We bought this company, here's the games that they've made. We bought this company, here's the games that they made and that are coming out. It was just, this company made this. We bought them. This company made this. They made this. We bought them. This. It was just. Must be nice this, to have money throw around like that. It, it's just, <laughs> I remember. It's just like they bought like seventeen game companies. And that was before Bethesda. Yeah, that, that, that was before they dropped the bazillion dollars to get Bethesda. <laughs> yeah, we probably we so, probably expect more of that this year. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I think if any game would be as like outside of you know still talking about the Bethesda. Bethesda and exclusivity, I don't see the Skyrim being a permanent exclusive, but Fable 100% oh, is on that, the... It's that always is, been. Yeah, because it's that always was, been uh, Xbox exclusive. Yeah. That was kind of like uh, when God of War came out to be like PlayStation's exclusive game. Yep. Yeah. Fable came out to be Xbox's exclusive game. Yep. Yeah, I kind of... I, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of excited. It's like, I jump in and... I will tell you now. If they relaunch the Fable series, I'll buy an Xbox. Yeah, it's a great game. Like I, you would love it. I think. No, I, I'm, I'm down for it. If it's anything like Kingdoms of Amalur, I'm down. So onto the Bethesda side because they do name Bethesda. It's not just Xbox. Like, yeah, it's it's Xbox right. and Bethesda is big enough to warrant its own naming in the category. Yeah. Um, I don't foresee Bethesda showing anything from ES6. I think we're still a ways off from that. I think Microsoft probably had enough sense to respect Bethesda's game outlook where we saw three years, two or three years ago, Bethesda say, you know, we've got Elder Scrolls 6 planned, but we're going to be doing these games first. Mm-hmm. They're also really focusing on Elder Scrolls Online. To a certain yeah, there was definitely Elder Scrolls Online. I think we might finally see a trailer for the Starfield game, which is the first yeah. big, you know, space sci-fi RPG that they were talking about coming yeah. out. And they did say that that game would come out before ES6. Yeah. We've not even seen a trailer for Starfield. So we're, we'll likely see that trailer this year, and we might get a shout-out. Hey, we're still working on like the early stages of Elder Scrolls yeah. 6. Yeah, but to be fair, the the you know the thing that we cannot talk about kind of set everything this year. Just kind of forget that this last year happened as far as game development went. Yeah, everything got pushed back. Yeah. Um, all right, to chuck through some of the rest of this, uh, later that day at... A couple right. hours later at Square Enix, yep. anything 
The only thing I would be expecting from Square Enix would be the next drop of the Final Fantasy VII remake, like yes. more information on episode on two. On part two. Well, yeah. and so there's episode two that people are looking forward to, and they dropped that bombshell last year with the trailer for Final Fantasy XVI, which actually looks really interesting yeah. to me. I don't remember this. It, it looks really very dark, and... I'm, I'm out. Oh, no, wait! It's the one where they actually go back and they were like, a, it was a castle. Yes. It was nice. yes. Okay. Yes. That that sounds interesting. It sounded like this hybrid future and, you know, this, medieval. It's, this it's, this it's, future. It's, it's yeah. medieval. Yeah. I, I, I remember this now. I had to think about it for a second. So I'd be looking to see, ho- hopefully, more on that as well. Yeah, that, that, uh, that I'm interested in. Now, let me ask you guys this. Did either of you play Final Fantasy Tactics? Negative. No. Because Square Enix also develops Octopath Traveler. I have. I bought the collector's edition. Yes. I love so, Octopath Traveler. It, I forget. It was like six months ago. It was part of the one of the Nintendo directs. Yeah, the uh, Triangle, Triangle Strategy. Triangle Strategy. Interesting, name. interesting looking game. Different name. Yeah. Different name. Please. But <laughs> I foresee us seeing more of that at E3, but will it be part of Square Enix's... Or will be part of Nintendo's because I'm pretty sure, in the same way that Octopath Driver was exclusive to Nintendo for the first year, Project Triangle Strategy will be as well. But again, that game is developed by Square Enix, so it could be either one of those differences. If that drops, I expect that to be at Square Enix because if I remember right, that was revealed at Square Enix's. No, uh, it was it was revealed initially as part of one of the Nintendo Direct. Okay, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Same thing, I think Octopath Traveler was announced at a Nintendo Direct or a Nintendo 3. I can't remember which one Octopath Traveler was revealed at. I don't remember. All I remember is I saw it, and I'm like, ooh, pretty, must buy. And I'm like, oh, there's a collector's edition. It comes with a pop-up book. Yes, please. Uh, a couple other things. My yen. They've got listed here that, not as headline as the Final Fantasy stuff, but Life is Strange, True Colors, mm-hmm. Remastered Collection, and then the DLC for Marvel's Avengers. Yep, the War for Wakanda pack. I think people have already uh, forgotten about that game. The the, 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 the dead Marvel game? <laughs> yeah, I think people have already forgotten about yeah, that Yeah, Square Enix completely dropped the ball on yeah. that. Nobody, nobody's playing it. No. And, like, the, the concept, it's unfortunate because the concept is really cool. Yes. Like, it'd be nice if one of these days somebody could actually nail down what they were trying to do. Yeah, because just, I like the concept. It was, supposed, it, was, it was another one of those games as a service that, is, as a concept, is just flawed. Yeah. Just, it was one of those games where Square Enix was like, ooh, Avengers is really big right now. Let's make an Avengers game. In concept, I'm like, oh, Square Enix? Okay, cool. But then they're just like, we'll make it games as a service. I'm like, but nobody likes that, so why are you doing it? Okay. I don't understand. Yeah. So, those are things like for Square Enix. Are there any surprise things that you think we might see from Square Enix? I don't think it's a surprise thing that we will see from Square Enix, but it would be a surprise. I think that I would like to see from Square Enix, as I would like to see something I've mentioned before. They didn't do Legend of Dragoon. I would like to see them partner with the company oh, that okay. did Legend of Dragoon. <laughs> I was going to say, they didn't make Legend of Dragoon. Did you play Legend of Dragoon? Nope. Probably. I never had a. I never had an original PlayStation. Okay, because like I had to borrow my cousin's and go to my cousin Billy's house to play the um, Final Fantasy VIII. So here's the thing. Everybody talks about Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9 mm. as the PS1 RPGs. I think Legend of Dragoon was the best RPG on the PS1. I 100% agree. It was better than the Final Fantasies. I, I, can't, I can't comment because I never had the chance to play it. I found out about it from you guys. So, think of it this way. In the 90s, in that era, what was one of the only RPGs that you, comes to your mind when it comes to timing-based RPGs? Timing-based RPGs, like where, like essentially, when you go to attack somebody, the timing of your input actually affected what you did. I can't think of a single one. Paper Mario, Super Mario RPG, they had some timing elements. Remember, I didn't get to play those oh. until later because okay. I didn't. I skipped the entire Super Nintendo. Okay, I didn't have one. Well, okay. Paper Mario sixty-four. That's why I wasn't sure. So, Legend of Dragoon was one of the first, like. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna click this button turn base. I'm just gonna go send my character. My character's gonna go to attack. QTE pops up. Yep. Press the button. 
you can continue your combo attack. So each weapon had a different like number of combos that you could do. And at any point, if you felt the QTE in that attack, your combo ended and you would just go back into the turn-based combat. But some of those QTEs started getting really rough, like the Lancer guy. You know, the Lancer stab, guy. And then he starts spinning in circles. And you had to like try and time the buttons to continue that combo. And then they started introducing counter mechanics where the enemy could start could try to counter. So normally, typically it was X, 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 and then they tried to counter. All of a sudden, square would pop like, oh, crap, square. And if you missed that timing, they would actually do a counter attack on you in the middle of your combo. Interesting. And it was just, it was a really cool story, really cool gameplay, just really cool game all around, and people have been wanting a remake of that for a while. And that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Like I said, it's like I found out about it through you guys, and I know you guys talked a lot about it last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last week's episode. I would, I would uh, honestly even like suggest looking up maybe a YouTube video of like a, a base, basis rundown of the game. Yeah, because the just... story for it is amazing. Yep. All right, we're running short on time. Let's hammer through the rest of this. Um, the Saturday night Warner Bros. games, which I didn't realize they made games. Uh, apparently, the only game I'm going to mention for Warner Brothers is the Back for Blood. Don't know anything about that. Is that the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead? Yeah. Okay. That all the time. Didn't know that. Um, and then Sunday night closes it out with PC Gaming Show, which there's really nothing a whole lot going on there. Yeah. Fast forward to Monday, we have Capcom first thing. Uh, not first thing. It's I get late in the day money for the first conference that comes up. Verizon's on here. It's- why is Verizon on here? Who knows? Verizon company. I'm mainly sticking with probably the bigger ones. That's probably, yeah. that's probably mobile. Yeah. That's probably mobile. So, Capcom, uh, we're going to get more Resident Evil stuff. Well, so we all expect Resident Evil from them. Resident Evil 4 for Oculus kind of sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, the Great Apes Attorney Collection. Um, I've always wanted to try those games out because I never got a chance to play them on the DS line. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see more from the Monster Hunter stories uh, when Zerana is coming out the Switch as well. Um, take two. I'm not sure what to expect from Take Two, so I'll just I don't know. If you're not familiar with Take Two. They're a subdivision of Rockstar. Yeah. And Rock Rockstar makes the Grand Theft Auto. Yes. Games, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I but Take Two is not going to do anything in the Grand Theft Auto. So I'm not sure what to expect from Take Two. Me oh. neither. Uh, Tuesday, the final day, and the day that. I personally look forward to the most when it comes to E3 is the Nintendo Direct day. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the Nintendo Direct. Um, honestly, if basically people are going to be looking for one of two things, you could listen. You, I know it's supposed to be about a forty-five minute, you know, yep. video. Yep. I think this is going to live or die on one of three announcements: Just Switch Pro, Switch Pro, Metroid Four or Metroid Prime Four, and Breath of the Wild Two. Yep. They want one of those three announcements. I don't know which one it's going to be. So, I don't think we're going to see a Switch Pro at E3, because they've already said that the, the E3 conference, or the, the E3 video, is going to be all software. Yeah. No harm. So, I think... Okay. See, I, have, I haven't... I I've been trying to stay spoiler-free, so I did not know that. Well, yeah, it's just like, they're not talking about any content, they just said it's all software. So, I don't think we'll see Switch Pro, unless it's like a surprise thing that they're just kind of throwing a curveball at us. Um... I would love to see Metroid Prime 4, but the I guess the hint, linchpin of that is how fast that new company, not new, like... It's re- retro. I know, retro worked in Blasters, but they had to start from the ground up. Yeah. So how fast they were able to actually start from ground level to get something workable in the last two years, who knows? Don't know. I think we will see more on Breath of the Wild 2 this year. Yes. I think we will. Yeah. yeah. Like, they announced that this year, or oh, sorry, last E3... Or was it two E3s? It was two E3s Yeah, so it was two years ago. And and the Hyrule Warriors was the tightest over a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And that one was fun, but the Zelda you the Zelda Tuber community picked apart that one minute thirty second video yep. so many times over the last two years, it's not even funny. Like they've they've pumped out hundreds and hundreds of hours of video on that one minute and thirty second clip. So and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can pull out of the next clip. So my quick pitch for Breath of the Wild Two. I think on some level you have to keep the old world that you had from the first one. Mm-hmm. 
a mechanic that was very popular in a lot of the top-down Zelda, but never really fully made its way to 3D Zeldas, which was essentially the warped overworld. You saw mm-hmm. it in Link to the Past, Link Between Worlds. You saw a little bit in um, Oracle of Seasons of World Ages, where... Yeah, you time you travel or you yeah. season. So, I definitely got some Twilight Princess vibes from the trailer. Oh, absolutely. So... What about a Breath of the Wild world where you have certain points that actually take you to the Dark World version of that Hyrule? Hmm. Here's what I've gone through and seen that um, some of the Yugi t- or not Yugi, uh, <laughs> the Zelda tubers that I've been watching that say that they don't want to see a shadow, like an alternate world of it, because that's been done to pieces. But in not the, in 3D. Agreed. Not in 3D. But I would rather... What their concept was is... Are you familiar with the Zonai clan? It was in Breath of the Wild. It was a brand new character. If you go through... And there's been multiple, 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 multiple theories on this that the Zonai are tied to the luminous crystals that are in the Zora domain that you can mine throughout the entire, you know, land. Yeah. Um, if you go down and you actually, if you watch the trailer, the color of the luminous stones is the same color of the hand tied to, uh, that is holding Ganondorf's heart. Interesting. It's the exact same color. So the theory is that if you that the next game might be again this is into you know tinfoil hat theory that the next game might actually revolve around the Zonai and being part of trying to resurrect and siphon energy off of Ganondorf's corpse and the whole cave might be that alternate world but it's not an actual alternate world you have to go down to the underground and there's dungeons down there. And you're gonna have to explore the caves to break out and collect pieces. Again, this is hyperbole, this is theory, <laughs> but I just love the concept of hey, we're gonna start digging down underneath the ground. We're gonna start, you know, instead of you know having a you know a magical shift, and now you're in this alternate world or a shadow world or a dark plane version, you're actually having to go and find tunnels into the ground to go find this resource that's going to help you build this thing to help stop, you know, the energy from Gandorf, you know, is like, I, I just like, I love that concept. And I'm like, maybe my, you know, my like, oh, I'm excited about that concept is blocking me from accepting anything else. <laughs> but again, that might be like, that's a really great idea. We're not going to do that, though. We're going to do this. And that, that's a Nintendo. Yeah, that's a Nintendo thing. So they, maybe they need to craft the ultimate weapon to beat whatever that thing was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And that ultimate weapon is the grappling hook. Yeah. Well, the grappling hook technically kills Link if you ever do the math. We're not talking about math. We're talking about the grappling hook, which failed to make an appearance in, I think, the first 3D Zelda game in Breath of the Wild. You had a grappling hook in Ocarina of Time. You had it in a Majora's Mask. You had it in Wind Waker. Twilight Princess. You had it in Skyward Sword. Gibbs on Skyward Sword. And then you have Breath of the Wild. And there's no grappling hook in Breath of the Wild. Grappling hook got butter off the island. Yeah. So can you imagine that mechanic of time anywhere do anything with a grappling hook? I want it. I want it. Yeah. Well, yeah. to be fair, it also didn't give you, you know, the other games also didn't give you a giant magical, you know. <laughs> unlimited ma- bombs. Un- unlimited bombs and a magical <laughs> map. You know, oh, I'm going to freeze this in time and hit it, you know, 500 it's times. Crazy. And it's going to go flying, you know. By the way, it's been fun watching Steven play. <laughs> I need to actually sit down and watch that. It sounds hysterical. Well, because, like, so there was, a, there was a shrine where he was struggling with and then so he just started playing with physics, which is what the like that's the whole draw of that game is yeah. You can play with physics and sometimes it'll work for you and it worked for him. 
where he managed to essentially he stays this ball that he needed to, it was supposed to be the puzzle where you get it uh, and you drop it up and then you drop the thing over to get it into the chute he couldn't figure that part out so he just stays it and kept bombing it at different angles to try and get it to go over the gate and he eventually got it to work mm-hmm I like the um, those like the ones where it's the topsy turvy table yep. with the you with the maze. Turn upside down. You just flip it upside down and you just kind of flip it and fling it. Yep. I'm just like I saw that puzzle. I'm like, oh no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> All right, we are a little short on time. Actually, we're out of time. We talked time. Uh, after Nintendo on Tuesday, there's the Bandai Namco, which I'm not sure what we'll see from them. I'll probably. Do the Cliff Notes version of that before uh, next week's show. Yeah, Bandai Namco, um, they're the ones that I'm actually probably, outside of Nintendo, that I actually am the most interested in. Because Bandai Namco, that's where the um, the Tales games tend to kind of come oh, from. Yeah. Uh, Bandai Namco also does... Um, shoot, what's it called? Um, the Athlier series, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's the Atlier series, but that's another JRPG um, that a lot of people don't really know because it's a more puzzly focused JRPG instead of a, just a turn-based one. Interesting. But, Final question for John before we close the thing out. Okay. When is the Sony's conference? I didn't see it on the schedule. <laughs> Sony doesn't have one. Sony's not playing ball. So Sony got voted up. Or no, they voted themselves off the island. <laughs> Sony voted Sony himself off the island. <laughs> Sony said, uh, thank you for playing, but uh, you're fired. <laughs> All right, that is our show for today. Look for a much more in-depth talk of E3 next week. I have no idea if we're going to have a guest next week or not. But we'll... Well, i got to come back for next week. Okay. I, 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 if I'm here to talk about this, i got to be back next week to talk about it because I'm going to have things to say one way or the other. <laughs> Dude, make that happen. But until next week, I'm Mike, and over here is John. You want to roll the credits for us? Uh, yes, but before I do that, uh, one thing, okay. uh, one quick E3 thing. Uh, Team Cherry, come on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, like, comment, subscribe. Leave your notes below. See you guys next week. Bye. Hear the most annoying sound in the world. Yeah. Guys, guys. <laughs> <laughs>